Welcome back, listeners, to our third and final episode of our Taipei series on art and other stories. Joining us on the podcast is artist Yinju Chen. Yinju interprets social power and history through cosmological systems, including astrology, sacred geometries, and alchemical symbols. Recently, she has been exploring the material effects of spiritual slash shamanic practices and the metaphysical potentialities of consciousness. Welcome to the show, Yinju. Hi, I'm Yinju Chen, artist from Taiwan, based in Taipei. Today, I'm gonna share one of my、uh, experience that is quite important to me. It's a pilgrimage, and then it's very local for Taiwanese. And then we call it Lingshan. It means spiritual mountains. And then, so to directly translate that is、uh, Lingshan denomination. This denomination is a mixture of Taoism, the major one, and then Buddhism, and of course our super colorful folk religion. I'm just gonna share the basic structure of the what is the Lingshan denomination. The practice of this is at the beginning you have to be initiated, which means my manifesting. To do that, you need to meditate every day, even for five minutes, to wake up your spirit. Everyone has a holy spirit inside them, and then、um, this、uh, mind manifesting is the one of the ways, many ways, to have your spirit waken up. And then the second to the most important practice is like pilgrimage. You pray. And by praying, it's not like going to the temples and then you pray. It's more about the senior practitioner has to take you and also with other girls and also other practitioners to the experienced one, the senior one, because their spirit has grown up and then they could easily communicate with the deities, or you can say channeling. So we go to the mountain, and then、um, we channeled with God through the seniors, practitioners, and mountains by mountains by mountains. And、uh, supposedly there are certain mountains that are so important you have to go. Yeah, that's the pilgrimage. They gotta do it as often as possible. But what I did was once a year. So for the new practitioners, I just like I said the.、Uh, You meditate, and then the, your spirit will wake up, and then will grow stronger and stronger. I had reached the point that、uh, I will have the involuntary movement while I meditate, and also I'll have some vision. But I'm not qualified to channel with God so far. And、um, at the beginning was 2017. I have a very good friend from the South Taiwan. And then one day she just asked me, "Do you want to come to the south?" And then we could do the pilgrimage together. And at the time, I didn't know that I was doing Lingshan denomination. I didn't know. I I thought I was just like going to temples to pray throughout this island. So I said, "Yeah, I haven't seen her for forever." So I went down and see her, visit her, and then we could do something together. That was fun. Then I realized it was serious because we had to wake up around four, and then there will be a van to pick us up. We rent a van, 
So we are only like few girls, few women, and we ran the van also bodyguard maybe, and then to pick us up and also the senior. So uh, we traveled to this very south southern point of Taiwan to one temple, and then immediately traveled to the other one on the east, and then slowly moved up to the uh, north, and then back to the south. So we had to pray like ten or twelve temples in three days. Yeah. That was my first time, and I especially remember the Guanyin Temple because、um, when I just got off from the parking lot, I couldn't help had some、uh, involuntary movements. I was crying. I cried so hard. I didn't know why something was touching me, and then I feel the calmness and the merciness inside me, and I was. I felt like I'm finally got home. That kind of feeling, and then as、so、I was crying and crying, and then we have to, we couldn't walk into the temple. We had to crawl on the floor. Yeah, we have to walk on our hands and our knees, and then the, to the temple in front of the statue of Guanyin. And I remember I had to say sorry first because I waited for this long to come home. And then the senior started to channel. First of all, to ask, do I carry this mission to help other people? Because if you have to become a practitioner, it's not like you want to. Then you can't be. The god, the goddess, has to make sure that you can do this, and then the, you have this talent or something. So somehow the senior started to channel and to ask us. We have to cast a block. Because we couldn't hear Guanyin's、uh, words, so we used the tool to prove that、uh, whatever the senior said from Guanyin translate from Guanyin is correct. So there are two blocks, and then we had to throw it, and one side up and the other side down. That means correct. So the senior asked Guanyin, "Do I carry this mission? Can I be the practitioner in the in the future to help other people?" And yes. And then the,、um, the senior was pointing at me. Is she your spiritual daughter? Yes. Then, if she practiced enough of years, will she avoid the incarnation next life? Yes. But this is funny because we talked about this before. I say that this pilgrimage I did from 2017 to 18, so that means I I don't do it anymore. <laughs> so I couldn't avoid incarnation <laughs> and the karma. <laughs> yeah. So everything was so spiritual, and then mostly we pray to the goddess. Few father deities, but mostly the mother. Even the Lord of War is、uh, because we have the other Lord of War, and that God is from a real human、uh, general, and then become God in Taoism tradition. But the real Lord of War isn't human; it's like a half human, half bird, and then it's she. Yeah, that goddess is also my spiritual mother, and also the mother of the earth. Like equals to Gaia is also my spiritual mother. So I have three spiritual mothers, and I have one spiritual father. Yeah, there are many、uh, touching moments through the pilgrimage. Mostly, my reaction when I connect to, of again, I couldn't channel with the deities. I couldn't, but I could feel them. So every time when I felt I was embraced by them. 
I just couldn't help but crying. And the, sometimes body will move, but um, you can control that. That's the also uh, later in the later works I made about consciousness. It's like when you have in this ultra state, it's not like you lose your consciousness. It's like you have multiple consciousness. So when I was at the temple, sometimes I felt this very warm feeling from the deities. And then I, I couldn't help but make some movements, mostly from my arms, like doing something, not too crazy. But the feeling of this compassion is like growing. Also, I, in the real world, I cry a lot. So it's like the tears just like coming, just couldn't stop. This experience in these two years, this pilgrimage in these two years, what I learned is really the compassion from the deities. And then I think my practice would be, and I'm practicing it, is how do I have this compassion to others? Yeah. You have any questions? Yeah, I have plenty. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing your story immediately what comes to my mind is something that my mother had shared with me when I was quite young. And just to premise, my mother is born and raised in Taiwan. Her father was part of the KMT army that had fled there during the Civil War. And something that my mother had shared with me when I was quite young was there are two kinds of people in this world. Those that can speak to spirits, can feel spirits, can hear spirits, and those who cannot. And she explained that this has to do with how heavy your soul is. Mm. If your soul is grounded, it's more anchored to this world, you have a harder time to connect with spirits. But if your soul is lighter, you are more likely to be able to see and to feel and to be able to communicate. I never questioned the truth of this. And I certainly didn't ask what religion, so to speak, it fell under. Was it Buddhism? Was it Taoism? Was it a folk religion? You know, where is the source of this information? I never questioned it, but I held true to it. For some reason, <laughs> as a child and even now, I hold on to that, this idea that not everyone has the means to communicate. And this is true time and time again, whether we're speaking with those who claim that they can communicate with the other side, whether it's a Western culture or Eastern culture. And so I guess my question to you is, how do you respond to this idea of the soul being light or heavy? Does it connect to you from your experience of doing the pilgrimage? Does that resonate with you somehow? Or is it completely <laughs> off the mark here? It's a very beautiful saying. I think to describe the weight of souls. Yeah, it's very beautiful saying. I do think that if there is a weight of souls, doesn't matter how many grams he has, probably 23. But I do think everyone could communicate with the deities or ghosts because everyone has some type of intuitions, feelings. And then we all drink at night. We all like alter state, we communicate with other world every mm. night. But like, I do think scientists have souls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they have their own explanation of this. Mm. Yeah. 
they have their own way to communicate with the holiness, so to speak, the mm-hmm. God, the universe that, that they found out quantum physics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually um, leads me to my next question, which is looking at your body of work from, let's just say, the Turner Diaries to your most recent commission for the Guangzhou Biennial. There is this, in its own way, this sense of exploration and pilgrimage, we could say, from understanding the human capacity or life or understanding from a different point of view. And so from the Turner Diaries, it was this fictional character. And then, you know, moving kind of further and further into your practice, it's entering into kind of the more spiritual understandings, altered state of consciousness. And so what I wanted to ask really is, do you see this blend from Turner Diaries to Sonic Driving? Do you see that as a journey of its own? Do you see it as a pilgrimage of its own that reflects very much your own journey? I think you and your mother have a very beautiful way to see this world. Yeah, yeah the weight of souls and the journey from Turner Diaries to Sonic Driving. I thought that I have this uh, clear cut before and after because of my surgery. I always thought about that. I never thought about it could be a journey. Yeah, it's very beautiful. <laughs> hmm, I couldn't answer that. Right <laughs> Let me think. Hmm. I really love this question. Let's say my soul was waking up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had, I still have big ego, but uh, I had a huge ego before. When I got insulted by the border patrols or insulted by this uh, crazy federal laws, the wall between Mexico and the States. And then when I got stopped by the border patrol and also the like uh, the huge dogs were like barking at me. And, mm. and then the people had machine guns. Come on, me? <laughs> or like they didn't speak direct to me. They asked my partner, like, does she speak English? <laughs> mm. Mm, mm. You can actually talk to me you know? and all that. And I was like, Everyone can do their job in a different way to be more decent and then to have a feeling for others and more, more compassion to others. If you're a police, you don't need to be mean. Mm. You still cross your point. But when I was younger, I had this huge ego. And then that thing, that experience really bothered me. So I was thinking about it could be a motivation for my project. And also at that time, I just moved to Europe. Mm-hmm. They say they don't have the racism. It was actually terrible. It's worse than the States. Mm. Yeah, I have to say that clearly. Yeah, just my experience. One is more obvious. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is hidden because they're like, we are liberals and that stuff. And then, mm-hmm. But no, they're not. But I love this idea of compassion that you speak of so passionately. This notion of how your experience, whether it's from your younger self to your current self, from this shift in the way in which you understand the world and really anchored in compassion. I find that really strong because when I encounter your works, sometimes the material is quite heavy. The content is quite heavy. One of the first works that I was drawn to was liquidation maps. And you were kind Mm -hmm. of using constellations in the stars to map out all of the horrific events in human history. And that in itself is really sad. But what I was able to pull from it was the sense of 
But if we can look at it from a different angle, then we can learn to treat each other better. For some reason, that was my, my personal takeaway from my encounter with, with that work, or even with Turner Diaries. It's this quite a shocking and jarring experience walking into this room and this kind of fake bunker, and you're seeing all of these signs of clan, racism, prejudice, all of these different kinds of markers and indicators in that space. And yet what I came out from that installation was what not to do, what not to perpetuate, the kinds of behaviors that I shouldn't be replicating, or I should be thinking critically about this, to engage in a more compassionate way of connecting with others. And so I feel like even though you speak of this before and after in kind of your change from this artist who you were as a younger kind of really ego-driven artist and versus now, I, I also do feel like that has always been a grounded motivator or a grounded message in your practice. And I don't know whether my reading of it is completely wrong or whether that is intentional. And I just wanted to know if it was. <laughs> It's new. I like this. Uh, I like your reading. I like the way you see my practice. It's new. It's not wrong. I agree with you. <laughs> but you do make me think. I think I'm going to keep on thinking about this after our interview. As I said, I always thought it's a before after, but actually it's like one thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, this idea of things being linear, what I also found quite powerful in your works is that, you know, going back to your story of your pilgrimage, you had premised that it was anchored in folk religion, Taoism, and Buddhism. And yet in your practice, you're not specifically focused on just Eastern occultism, I guess we could say, or Eastern folk religions or Eastern religions. You're kind of looking at a whole wide spectrum including Western mythologies or Western influences, whether it's astrology, star readings, and it's a mix. It's a mix and a blend of all of these different knowledges that you have accumulated throughout your encounters and creating it into, you know, one whole, which is very much your practice. And you kind of dig into each specific, I guess, category, we could say, in various details and to distill them into specific art piece. And so I wanted to know whether or not you see a connection between Eastern and Western perspectives or whether in your mind they're actually quite distinct. Because for me, I feel like the overlaps are there, whether it's fortune teller and tarot card reader, for example, I feel like they're not quite two different separate entities that really ultimately there is some sense of universal whole that exists in between. So I wanted to know whether you felt the same way as you are making your artworks, as you're making your projects. Yes, because I believe the origin is the same. Mm. One source, this is the universe. Not only we, human, divided into differences, things, beliefs, religions, but the origin is the same. But if we're talking about our human world, let's say astrology, it was from the West or, or Egypt, Middle East, mm -hmm. but astrology for me now is universal. Everyone is talking about this. And the Chinese astrology, I'm learning it. I'm better with the symbols. Mm. I remember the pictures more than the words. So in Chinese astrology, 
every star has its beautiful stories, just like astrology. But everything is in Chinese characters. And it's, it was a little bit difficult for me to memorize. But mm-hmm. in astrology, it's, everything is simple. The symbol creates its own language and I could understand it. It's just like I can remember people's faces more than their names. Not like Western names or the Middle Eastern names or Korean names are hard to remember. Even in Chinese names, I need to take time. But mm. the pictures I can recognize. And Taoism and folk religions were the way I was born to. So it's, I don't really know the system. Because it's like I could speak Chinese, I don't know the grammar. But overall, it's the same thing. The original source is the same. It was a um, very good book. It's actually talking about this mysticism, mm-hmm. the study in the nature and development of spiritual consciousness by Evelyn Underhill. And um, I think in her point of view, the source that mm-hmm. everyone gets is love. And then my language would be the consciousness of this universe. Mm. And then we all found it. So the source is the same. And for me, there's no much differences. It's only how they use the language. Like I said, I put symbols better than the words. It's interesting that you talk about the book Mysticism because the book that I had in mind is this book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's very similar. It's tracing all of these different stories, mythologies, legends that appear in all these different cultures. And he's taking a more Jungian approach, as far as I understand it, to kind of talk about the universality of it and how, you know, we're all really just the same. The way we express it might be different, but the underlying kind of message or even symbol is really just quite basic, really, to best describe it. So I love that ultimately, even though in your practices, you're exploring different expressions, they're all kind of coming back down to the same core and anchor, which to me is very much about compassion and and love, which is really beautiful. But I love that we've had two different, or at least I've had a different interpretation that has allowed kind of this new exploration of looking at your practice as a whole, which is a one journey, I guess we could call it, as opposed to two split instances. And so I guess my last question to you is because we were talking about books and, you know, I have also been reading quite a bit. Most recently, I did read uh, Emmanuel Kochia's The Life of Plants, where he's looking at cosmology from the point of view of plants. And so I thought that that was really beautiful. And thinking about all of these different thinkers and philosophers who are trying to reinterpret the world, whether it's Emmanuel Kochia, like I had just mentioned, or Yokue, who's looking at it from Chinese cosmotechnics and trying to understand the Western perspective by bringing in the Eastern. I wanted to know what books are you currently reading that you can share with our listeners? I made copies of this ancient book. I'm reading this. Oh, charms, spells. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one, if you write it on yellow paper, and then you either burn it to ashes and drink it, mix with water to drink it, or you put it on in front of your door, you can get rid of COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do believe it, though, because mm-hmm. it's spells, it's uh, charms from right. uh, ancient 
Chinese time, and um, it's a Zhu Yuke. So the story goes like you know shamans; those、mm -hmm. are wizards and witches.、Yeah. And at the very beginning, they were the leaders of the tribes or the nation. Or sometimes in the ancient time, the some emperors themselves are the wizards. And then to cure people, to heal people, they have the, this a beautiful system, Chinese medicine and the Chinese herbal systems, and then acupuncture. And also they have this witchcraft. Altogether, for them, it's the same thing.、Mm -hmm. And I do believe it. But the problem is, like the one I just show you, the spell that is supposedly to get rid of all the plagues. Plagues, yeah. Yeah. The problem is in. During the certain time in the ancient time, I think it's the Song Dynasty. They banned it, and、um, there are many reasons why the ancient people they didn't want this. There are many books that are saying, many scholars they are saying the assumptions would be because ancient people thought also thought it's a superstitious and it's not a scientific proof or something. But also that means it had too much power. So whoever controlled the system, of course, they won't let people have too much power. So the books that I got copied from, they probably kept lots of charms and stuff and spells. But、uh, you can see there are certain part are missing because they don't really teach you how to practice. And、um, there's certain procedures to prepare how to write these charms, this spell,、mm -hmm. and to what directions, mostly east, and what time, mostly seven in the morning, and what day, mostly like May fifth, the lunar year, when the sun has the most powerful light on the earth. Yeah,、mm. but still, there are lots of information missing. So、uh, how do I practice this? I don't know. But this is what I'm reading、mm -hmm. at this moment, and of course, this morning I'm reading tarot cards. Yeah, <laughs> it's lovely that you're saying this to me because, and this might be a coincidence, it might not, it might be some sort of cosmic kismet connection. But when you were saying May fifth before you said lunar year, in my mind it goes, that's the day that I booked my parents' COVID vaccine. That was specifically <laughs> the day. <laughs> And then when you said lunar year, I was like, okay, I'm following the Western calendar, not so. But it's interesting that there's just some sort of energy that's happening right now, at least for me, that I kind of feel. For myself, growing up, I like you grew up in a Chinese Taiwanese household, so we have actually gods and symbols and poetry hanging around. So this is very much part of my language. So I never questioned it. I never thought to myself, "Oh, this is different from Western astrology." I, I always thought that they were very much connected. So that's at least for myself. I've always felt very spiritually inclined. You know, I'm a Pisces, so I go around always finding things that <laughs> that relates to me or or something like that, or try to read deeper into it. So that's something that I felt very drawn to. But yeah, oh yeah, are you like a sponge? You're like taking lots of information inside.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then、um, when you were mentioning about the emotional releases, that's something that I felt very much、uh, connected to as well. I know that you had, you know, in your story, you had talked about crying in the parking lot, and that emotional release is something. Another thing that for me, I connected to immediately. This idea of like things are inside me, and they need to come out in a certain way. And it's funny because. 
for me, at least, when I cry, it always needs to be within the comfort and privacy of myself. And this emotional release of energy is something that almost feels sacred to me. I unfortunately have yet to encounter, and I'm hoping that one day I will be able to understand what that's like to be able to uh, awaken that internal part of me. But it was so lovely to be able to hear your story and to know that that is um, something that exists in everyone, that there is that spirit in everyone that can be awakened or it can be tapped into. So that was really beautiful for you to, for you to share. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about the meditation, but I I want to say the last thing is that the meditation really helps. Mm. I don't meditate that much now, but um, I just did last night and then I thought I would lose some vision Mm. But no, it's like it came back right. so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was so lovely chatting with you. And it was so amazing to learn about yourself, your practice, your story. And I want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It was such a wonderful conversation. And I hope that we'll be able to connect in person in Taipei. I do intend on going back and I would love to be able to meet with you in person. Sure. We can meet at a temple. Thank you for uh, giving me that advice, the new way of thinking my practice. It's it's really lovely. I I will keep on thinking about this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Yingju. And I want to wish you a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Art and Other Stories. If you like the content that we put out, please consider supporting this podcast and its featured artists by donating at anchor.fm slash triptych arts. That's anchor.fm slash triptych arts.